I started in the uh, Bomar Glass and Mirror Building on Secor Road in 2001 with nothing. I'm, I consider myself a prize fighter. Right. I have taken a lot of punches. I've been knocked to the canvas. I've been beaten. I've been cheated. I've been stolen from. But I get up. I get up every time. And now I'm up, you know? Right. And uh, there's a great quote, which is, you'll, you'll never meet a hater doing better than you. So all these people who've done me wrong, they're not doing better than I am. Most entrepreneurs who ultimately become successful recognize that their time is more valuable, focused, and not doing everything. I'm Andy Golding, partner and chief strategy officer of Kripke Enterprises, and very excited about today's episode of Toledo Works. In this podcast, I speak with a business owner to uncover his stories of success, struggles, and achievements. This podcast is sponsored by Kripke Enterprises at Kripke. Recycling metal is not just good for the environment, it's good for business. This podcast is produced by Stuart Media Strategies. Today, I am thrilled to introduce a friend, a lawyer, and just an all-around decent human being, Stevan Groth of Stevan Groth of Groth and Associates. Groth and Associates offers legal advice and services for personal injury, criminal defense, and family law, all led by Stevan. The firm is renowned for its strong client advocacy and successful legal outcomes. Sounds good. Thanks for being hey, here, man. buddy. It's fantastic to be I here. I appreciate Thank it. You. But My pleasure. Before we get My into pleasure. the podcast, and I yes, want to make sure the microphone's close up to you yes, because sir. this is the good stuff. You don't want to miss this. No, you don't want to miss this. All right. So yeah. it is, um, it's January, what's the date today? 16th. It's January 16th. A lot of people are in dry January. I made a deal with everybody that I was going to be off social media except YouTube. So I haven't been on LinkedIn or TikTok or anything, but I have been allowed to go on YouTube. And while I have been on YouTube, I have become obsessed with high stakes blackjack guys. And there is a, there is a couple of guys, Steve will do it and Dana white that are out in Vegas and these guys play high stakes blackjack and I just can't get enough of it. Now, Steven, I know through when I was on social media, yeah. Steven is a Vegas guy and you're staying at some nice places. And before we get in all the legal stuff, sure. Give me your, like, how do you do Vegas so well? How does uh, it work for you? Uh, you know, it's, it's the same advice as it is in business. <laughs> this is actually a nice start. Good. So the, the whole story of Vegas is stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane in Vegas, you will win every single time, whether you win money or not. Okay. So the little side hustle is this. You find the right casino that you enjoy. It might be the restaurants that you like. It might be the shows they have. It might be the bars, whatever it is. And you put your play there. When you put a little play in, they're going to give you some offers to come back. Right. And the more you stay and play, the more you get offers to come back. If you're getting huge offers of free money to play and free meals, you're losing too much money gambling. <laughs> but the hustle is to just get those free rooms and a little bonus here and there, some right. freebies, some of this stuff. And then you just, you stay in your lane. You know, if your lane is $25 blackjack, 
you shouldn't be betting a hundred dollars, right? Okay. If it's five dollars on the slot machine or twenty bucks or you know three fifty, God bless. That's what you do. And then what happens is you get value for those hotel rooms, value for your freebies, which offsets your gambling, and Got you can it. do it over and over again without getting crushed. So I always say I'm undefeated in about thirty trips to Las Vegas because I never get crushed. I uh, my other little deal is if I'm there for three nights, I'm three nights worth of money. That's my lane. If I run out of on day one of the money, then, you know, we're going to do something else. Sure. And you just, and so same with business or anything else in life, you got to kind of control. I wish it was more exciting. Like here's my secret strategy yeah, Andy, where you can, you know, you, you got to double down on Tuesday at 4 PM <laughs> and you're going to come out ahead. But it's uh, and of course a little bit of luck never hurts. And, uh, the other thing, too, is, of course, slot machine players, which I'm a slot machine guy. I love okay. the, the ADD nature of it okay. and the excitement. Blackjack's a great game. You know, it's, it's got the best odds. So, you know, you're basically 50-50 with the house. Slot machines are much longer odds. But you get a point every time you pull the press the button. So right. you're building those comps. Whereas in blackjack, if you sat down at $25 hand blackjack and you lose six hands in a row, you might be out for that session. Right. Whereas with the slot machine for 150 bucks, you're going to build your comps. You're going to play for a while, and you might really win something big. It happens. I've seen. I've seen it. I'm telling you. Yeah. I watch these guys on YouTube. <laughs> right. Now half the time they only show them when they were winning. Of course. Right. But, right. You know, it's edited. For sure. Right. So you know when you are an attorney in town, and when you're doing um, the type of legal work that you do, which probably gets very heavy, is Vegas the, a place where you? feel like you, you know, you, not that you release there, but you know, you can take the the burden of some of the heaviness off your shoulders. Is that why you like it as well? Uh, I can give you a few stories here. Yeah. One is uh, when I was a very young attorney, I went to a conference there and I was broke. I had no money. Uh, I had, I think 200 bucks in my wallet and one credit card. I wasn't yet the points and miles credit card hustler that I am today. And, uh, I remember seeing these lawyers who were very successful and uh, they were talking about these big cases. And, you know, I started in the uh, Bomar Glass and Mirror Building on Secor Road in 2001 with nothing, right? you know? And uh, I went to this conference and I saw these people uh, and I thought to myself, I'm going to come back to Vegas. I'm going to be successful. In fact, on that trip, I ate at the La Salsa at the food court because you could pile the free salsa on so I could get a bigger meal. And I was also pretty fit and working out at that time. But, you know, and so to me, Vegas was sort of like the Holy Grail. Like, I'm going to come back here successful. Right. So in that regard, it's it was like a challenge to me, which thankfully I've been able to have some success and enjoy. Also, like you said, I get to stay at some nice hotels. These are fantastic hotels with great amenities. So for like three days, I'm a millionaire. Right. I live like a king. And as you may know, I eat like two kings. So, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying some of the finest food. Vegas is probably the best food town in America in the most concentrated area. Right. French Laundry in Napa is amazing. New York City has its charms. L.A. is amazing. But Vegas, you name it, yeah. from In-N-Out Burger to uh, Joel Rubichon's, you know. Sure. I mean, you got it. Michelin star to... What Whatever. is your uh, Vegas hotel? Where is your Lane Hotel? Uh, I spend a lot of time at the Cosmopolitan, okay. which is next to the Bellagio. But I have a pretty good thing going where I get comped up. And I, like my friends, we're going at the end of the month. I got a friend staying at the Park MGM. 
Okay. I'm hooking my son up at a bachelor party at the link. All comped, comped, and oh. I'm staying at the Cosmo. Oh, that uh, is, I love and it. All on a budget. I'm right. telling you, it's uh, there's no no insanity here. You know? mm. So, so I've known Stevan for a long time, and when I first met Stevan, and this is what is so interesting about Stevan's story. So Stevan has been referred to as, or when I many years ago, Stevco, yeah. because Stevan was an entrepreneur that had his Finger, you had your fingers in a lot and aspirations for even more. And I don't know if at that time you were an attorney-ish and an entrepreneur first, um, but what I have noticed and what I want to hear more about is from the time, from this was 20 years ago, from the time you were Stevco to now you are Steven Groth, attorney at law with a a sizable law firm, what changed? Uh, it's great. Uh, Gary Cook, Judge, Lucas County, Common Police Court, and I were prosecutors together. Okay. He gave me that Stevco nickname, like <laughs> Ronco, Stevco, right? Uh, you know, no doubt the, the, the single most important thing that changed was focus. You know, uh, it's true that when I got started, you know, I came here from California. I didn't know anybody. I didn't go to school here. And I was... I've always been entrepreneurial and I wanted to sort of make my mark. And uh, so I did, I was probably too aggressive. I tried to do too many things at once. Uh, and that is a, a mistake, unless you have very deep pockets. You know, if you can afford to hire staff and all that you do, no problem. I, on the other hand, was uh, like Robert Townsend in the Hollywood Shuffle. I was financing everything on my credit cards. Right. Bad strategy. Right. The worst strategy, but not the best strategy. <laughs> So certainly uh, it's the best strategy if it all turns only, out, if it's the only strategy you got, right. You know, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, so again, I've suffered the slings and arrows of, uh, you know, uh, debt and debt service, uh, and all that, um, always figured out a way. Um, cause I think that's what you always have to do. Uh, which is truly entrepreneurship in itself, man, no doubt. I like, I mean, I, I somewhere in all of this, I want to work in this analogy, which is I'm, I consider myself a prize fighter. I have taken a lot of punches. I've been knocked to the canvas. I've been beaten. I've been cheated. I've been stolen from. But I get up. I get up every time. And now I'm up, you know? Right. And uh, there's a great quote, which is, you'll, you'll never meet a hater doing better than you. So all these people who've done me wrong, they're not doing better than I am. So the answer is focus. Right. And, and the, the difference between me, you know, back then I was all over the place. Shame on me. Paid a big price for it. Took a lot of, uh, you know, probably slowed me down, but everything has a way of working out. These days, uh, you know, with almost exclusivity, it's this law firm and the things I do, the coaching, the investment in the firm, you know, it's good stuff. So what was, um, so, you know, when you're in the thick of it and, you know, you had all the balls in the air and, you know, you mentioned ADD. So there's there's a lot of that and, and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of the, the people, you know, that we see coming in here, you know, they're, they're managing a lot of balls sometimes because they have to, uh, sometimes because they want to. And what, what changed when you said, you know what, I'm going full, I'm going to be a fucking attorney full time. And, um, I have to, I have to let the other stuff go and, and make my focus there. Right. Two, two analyses here. One I think that most entrepreneurs who ultimately become successful, 
recognize that their time is more valuable, focused, and not doing everything. There's a great book called Buy Back Your Time. Uh, The name escapes me. I think it's maybe Barnett. Buy Back Your Time. It's a powerful idea because the truth is I was doing everything. I mean, I was the GSD guy. Get shit done. For sure. So I can do, I could do everything and did for years. Whatever it was, uh, if I needed to do this much, I do that much. If I needed to do, you know, there are times still where I'll have 26 court appearances in a single week in probably 11 different courthouses all across Northwest Ohio. I still, on some level, struggle with this because I have a very vibrant practice, but I also have to manage my business. So the change for me was just the idea that slowly but surely, I'm buying back my time. Where I had no administrators, I now have three. I have an outstanding admin, uh, was my first real sensible hire. I've had some wonderful people who've worked for me before, but she's like an all-star. I always say, she's not worth her weight in gold. She's worth my weight in gold, which is a lot. (laughs) Just to be clear. So she's awesome. Then uh, I hired a uh, full-time director and coordinator for our family law group, which we've developed an exciting product. I'd love to mention it at some point. And then thirdly, I have hired a full-time client success manager to really focus. In fact, I brought you some swag today. I brought you a cup. I brought you a bag. So I love it. You know, I know it's a little free form here and I'm keeping me on topic may be difficult, but (laughs) You know, what we, what we often forget is that we're all, everybody's looking to market, and I know you're a marketing guy, looking to market to the world when you already have this client base that, that thinks you're the greatest. Right. And you got to remarket to them and let, make them feel valued and such. So we, we've got this client success manager. We've really been focused in on uh, reaching back out to our existing client base. But again, focus, focus, focus. Uh, you know, I started attending a quarterly management in Atlanta. I go there four times a year plus one. Uh, they come here four times a year. We do some on-site trainings. Uh, and so the, that, that is for, be, tell me a little bit firm. more. Uh, it's, it's law firm training. Law firm training. It's a, it's a company called Crisp. They started as a media company doing video. I've seen it before. Yeah, sure. We do okay. all, if you get YouTube, which you do, yeah. you may see our ads running sure. there. They place all that. So they started as a media company for videos. It wasn't quite right for me. Then they hit, uh, uh, social media, we could do that ourselves. We had an in-house person. But when they got the law firm coaching thing, it was like it clicked. You asked me, when did this change happen? And in some respects, you know, really about two years ago, we got serious about this and sort of embraced the idea that, you know, uh, I used to run my law firm like a fraternity house. You know, it was wild and woolly. Right. And we were successful in, in spite of that because that cult of personality and the ability to outwork everybody and do all that stuff. But Another of your guests, uh, I think it was Hanson's guy, uh, Brian, Brian, or maybe, uh, maybe it was him. Talked about systems. Yeah, I think so. That was Brian. Brian. So systems again for the people who are going to listen to this, the business owners. If you want the simplest and best advice, it's you got to develop your systems and you got to develop people, and then you replace your time so that you're not doing everything. You're doing the right things, and uh, you know that's it. So. I turn the jets on. Wow. I yeah. love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. Thanks. So what, um, you know, people always, I people I ask, whenever I meet an attorney, I always ask a th- couple of simple questions, you know, like well, what was your biggest case and what was your like craziest case, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, this is a, 
an entree to that story is that I've had six national and international, one international and six national cases from Toledo, Ohio. You know, I mean, that you have like that I've been involved mean? in. Okay. So, you know, when you when people think, oh, you know, I can't be successful or we can't do a big thing or whatever, you can do from anywhere. You know, right. you know, you can, well, I mean, look, the cake in a cup lady, right. national acclaim, right? right? A cupcake shop in Toledo, Ohio, right? It's my best customer on the, on the podcast. Right, yeah. right, right. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, I love the entrepreneurial story because to me, it's about the freedom. This right. is the freedom. When I tell you I get to go to Vegas, it's because I'm my own boss. You know, when I worked at the Lucas County Prosecutor's Office, I had to put a slip in to ask to go, and sometimes I couldn't go, <sighs> and it drove me mad. Right. I wasn't really designed to work for other people. I work well with people. Nobody works for me. Not one person works for Everybody me. works with they you. They work with me. Absolutely. Right. In fact, uh, this year we closed uh, from the Friday before Christmas all the way through New Year. Closed the whole firm, paid everybody. Everybody had that vacation time. That's amazing. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Life is short. And everybody got a one. They got the shopping ahead of Christmas holidays, whatever holiday they celebrate. And, uh, right. And, uh, and you know, we just do some good things. Uh, yesterday, uh, Martin Luther King Day, we traditionally have been open. Weather was miserable. Just said, I'm, I'm closing the office. Everybody go home. Right. So we got way far afield. We were talking about something else, weren't we? I took well, you right no, off. That's took okay. You right look, off subject. Look, didn't I? I, I, right? I know what I'm dealing with. Right. All My right. biggest cases. Yes. You told me. So Let, you know what? Before yeah. we get to your big one, yeah. tell, tell me something. Tell me a case that's just friggin' interesting. Sure. Like sure. something that or or crazy. I see this. Yeah. You know, they say that life is what is it? Uh, life is crazier than TV. Yeah. Or. Is Life that, imitates art. I think, yeah, all of it. You know, yeah, so, yeah. you know, give me something good. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I, I do handle very serious criminal offenses. Murder. I've tried murder mm. cases in several states. Uh, you know, it gets very real, you know, in people's lives. Uh, what I would say first is that most people charged with murder are not evil people. They have made horrible choices or mistakes or their emotions ran high. So now I have run into a few people that you would not want to meet, probably. Very few. Right. Most people are just, it's just so unfortunate. They're just average Joes who maybe punched somebody in a bar and killed them accidentally, you know. That's murder. Uh, That's no good. This, it's rough. Yeah, so people make these, you know, very difficult choices. I mean, I've got, you know, one of my favorite stories is a guy who uh, uh, I met, like, about this time of year, uh, I got his attorney uh, – quit on him. And the court asked me to take the case. It was a court appointed case. You know, I, do, I used to do, I don't do it as much, but I still occasionally, if asked, will handle a court appointed case. Sure. The guy says to me, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. So I get his record. And I mean, it's, it's like, I think it had 80 entries, 80 different crimes this guy had committed in his life. And he's charged with uh, armed robbery. Uh, he stuck a shotgun in uh, several piece, people's uh, faces and stole their Christmas presents. And they find him outside of a 7-Eleven and the police chase him. He throws the shotgun out of the car and crashes the car with everybody's stolen goods in the back of the car. He's innocent today, <laughs> right? Yeah, that guy's innocent today. Do you want to know why? You want to know how, how? And I will tell you in the middle of the case, I come into court one day and he says to me, hey man, Mr. Groth, you know, I'm innocent. You got to help me out here. I swear to God. He says, 
And he says, you don't, you don't look too happy today. I said, well, I got to be honest. My wife gave me a lot of grief for not shoveling the driveway. He goes, man, if you get me out of this, I will shovel your driveway every day. And I gave him a look and he goes, I know your wife don't want me at your house. (laughs) (laughs) I said, listen, Mr. Smith, I'll come to the jail. Uh, It was Christmas Eve. I'll come to the jail tonight. I will, I, we will go through everything. I said, we got two eyewitnesses that you stuck a gun in their face and they caught you with the shotgun and a crash car and all their, all these gifts. I said, but we're going to take a look at everything. So we get to the jail. Uh, we're going through everything. And I have uh, the lineup where he's identified as number two. Now, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but as a black gentleman in a black and white photo, it looks like six ink blots. So I said to him, Mr. Smith, I used to work as a county prosecutor. I know the sheriff's guys. I'm going to get us the color pictures. My guy's number five. Number two is who was identified, and everybody just agreed that it was the same guy. My guy stole the bad guy's car outside of 7-Eleven. What? And it wasn't him, so he got credit for time served for receiving stolen property, and home he went. Wait a minute. Your like, guy stole the bad guy's he stole car? stole the bad guy's car. Oh, because he probably left right. the car running. He left if- the car running at a 7-Eleven because it was the middle of winter. And my guy opportunistically, with a with an 80-line record and you know probation violations, he was looking at like 42 years for armed robbery, went home. He never shoveled my driveway, but I didn't ask him to. Wow. How about that? Right? How do I love you, that story? That's unbelievable. But how right. do you keep your how do you not carry your biases into that? Is that just practice? I mean, I would I don't think I could go to the jail and like I would be like, dude, just admit it. Let's make a deal. I don't get it. No, you're not wrong. I think we all do. I mean, we all carry our natural biases. Right. I like chocolate more than vanilla. You like coffee without right. cream. I like it with cream. But I think the professional in me knows that I have an obligation. You know, and this is often the tension between entrepreneurship and business. I, I mean, and, and the law. My job as a lawyer, you know, sometimes it has to come first. So even right. though I should spend time managing my business, I've often not managed because I owe guys like that. So I go in, I try to have an open mind. I didn't believe him. Of course, who would? He was identified by several people as sticking a shotgun right in their face. I mean, you don't forget that, right? (laughs) But as it turns out, you know, because you have a certain amount of professionalism and, you know, rigor, it's just like anything else, you know, it's like anything else. So, you know, that's, that's a great story. I mean, I have, you know, I've been very fortunate. Like I said, I I worked on the University of Toledo point shavings case, case. It was a federal case in Detroit. That's another good story. The day I met my client, they wanted him to spend six years in prison. Six years later, he went home on probation. He was the youngest player who was clearly under the sway of all the senior players. He was just a freshman, a little kid. And right. they had this whole thing going on. And, you know, didn't didn't sell him out, didn't plead him out, didn't give up. Uh, I was the last man standing with another Detroit attorney who represented uh, Keith Triplett, as a matter of fact. I mean, right. these are public records. And we fought our way all the way through. And uh, so that was great. You know, I've been very fortunate uh, to have all that kind of, you know, uh, good cases. We have good client reviews. We have good rapport, good reputation, which is 
is is fighting um you know being the last man standing is that as an entrepreneur obviously you know you 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 get knocked down you get back up but is part of being a good attorney just willing to stay to the end and out out um uh, outwork the opposite side not always no okay. no i think uh outwork is part of it you should know your case better than anybody else and that's number one but also it, you have to know the timing and the scenario in the federal system there's a <laughs> a, a benefit to resolving cases quickly and uh taking responsibility and Federal system is very different than the state system. For anybody who's not familiar with it, state system is a little more infle uh, more flexible. There's all sorts of this and that. Federal system works on a matrix, criminal history across the top, uh, the category of case down the row. It's a matrix. The higher up you go, the lesser the charge, the closer you get to little criminal history, the better. If you plead quickly and work cases out, you get a benefit moving up the chart. And the feds don't, you know, very rarely do the feds get it wrong. But in this right. case, you know, my client, I felt like they got it wrong and that we needed to hang in there. So it's not very common. And that's why it's all the more interesting. Wow. You know, so wow. it's good stuff. Yeah. So is it as, um, is it as, what is it like when you win a big case like that? Uh, you know, the hardest thing is to represent an innocent person because it's tremendous pressure. You know, a number of years ago, I represented a decorated army officer who was falsely accused of sexual assault and abuse. And we went to trial and we won. And uh, when the jury said not guilty, he leaned forward. And, you know, I honestly think he was crying by the time he leaned back up. And he gave me a hug that I'll never forget. And this is a guy who was a, you know, military guy putting his life on the line for our country. And he's hugging me. And, you know, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Right. But... It's worse to lose, you know, because you just then you feel like, what more could I have done? What should we have done? What was the right thing to do here? And th this is, you know, this is real life pressure. It's not like uh, I always say, you know, a stolen car case is not that big a deal, relatively speaking. But you represent people who are falsely accused of rape or murder or any number of other very serious crimes, which we handle state or federal. Uh, it's heavy lifting. You know? mm. That's why. I need to go to Vegas yes. and uh, oh, no, enjoy I mean, myself. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you, I mean, you, you have to get away from it at, at some yeah. point. Yeah. So, you know, just, just so I have an idea, if, if God forbid you're acute, not if, when someone is accused of murder or arrested for murder, yeah. um, how long is it, like, like until they go to prison from the time they're arrested? Because I've seen you on TV. I've seen you in the newspaper. What is the time frame? Oh, it's a it's a fluid concept. I mean, in some some cases, drag on for a very long time, depending on what's necessary in the case, expert witnesses, uh, court calendar. You know, in custody, out of custody. There's no set period of time. I'll be honest. There's no. Okay. Uh, the courts have some obligation to resolve cases in about six months. They call them superintendency rules. And you try to keep the judge happy by resolving it in a that period of time. But sometimes you need more time. You know, you just do. Uh, you have out-of-state witnesses. You have an expert report that's necessary, uh, whatever it might be. So there's, you know, it's always easier when people are out of custody, you know, because you hate to have somebody sitting in jail mm. as the clock ticks. It's sure. very lonely. But I, I will usually tell those folks, I'd rather have you sit here for six months 
than 16 years. Right. You know? so. For sure. Have you ever gotten in trouble in court like you see on TV? Is court like right. TV? No, not at all. Not really. <laughs> what, 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 not why? at all. No. I mean, so do you, can you no. even watch those court TV? Not TVs? much. I don't. Really? No, I don't watch much. Because yeah. it's more documents and it's more yeah. like, you know. They move along in, a, in very fast. You right. know, like it all happens in five minutes. What I will say is I used to watch a lot of Law, law and Order. Right. And uh, I love those prosecutors. Ben Stone. <laughs> right. Sam Watterson. Uh you know, these guys were pretty close to the way it was. Really? Pretty good. Yeah, they they were good and pretty straightforward. Because, you know, when you're a prosecutor, and I have great respect for prosecutors, I was one, uh, you're there to uh, establish the elements of the offense and, and prove people's guilt. You're not there to persecute people. You're not there to, to you know, do everything you can to convict, theoretically, to convict. You're there to just present the evidence, let a jury decide, do your job. That's respectable. You know, defense attorneys, we are a little more, we have to be more entertaining because sometimes the evidence is not great for our guy. Right. But sometimes it's questionable. Like, can they really prove all this? You know, so, uh, you know, but it's not, no, TV. First of all, you never, ever, ever have your client in the room with the prosecuting attorney and a detective to talk about anything. <laughs> okay. That never, ever happens, number one. Number two, for those of you at home, never say anything to the police ever. Are we clear about this? Everybody wants to talk. Oh, right. if I can explain it, I've heard the this. detective will be, I'm right. sure he'll be happy to hear what I have to say. But the problem is, no, they, they don't care what you have to say. They really want to get you to confess. Right. They want to explain it. So, All right. Anyway. So um, I, I want to talk about your other things, but I, I also mm. want to give some people some advice as sure. well, some law advice. And, mm. you know, in your experience, when is the right time before we get to family law, criminal sure. law, when is the right time to call an attorney? Yeah. Uh, right away. You know, there's just no, I mean, the reality is that you, you don't want to say anything to anybody because people, everything you do creates evidence. You send a text to your sister, it's evidence. You do a Google search. I've had cases where the Google search comes right in at testimony. How do they fight extradition from Costa Rica? Oh, that's a bad thing for an innocent person to be texting, right? <laughs> to do. So, uh, so the short answer is, you know, realistically, most good attorneys will offer a free consultation in criminal defense. Right. Just get that consultation. Call anybody. Just I always say, call somebody you trust who has real trial experience. Okay. You know, that's what you want. So, yeah. and and where do, where does that happen? So, if if someone is, um, you're in a bar fight. Yeah. What happens if? And then I want to, like I yeah, said. No. So tell me right. what happens if you're in a bar fight, you don't yeah. kill anybody. You're sure. just in a bar fight right. and you right. get arrested. Right. What happens after that? Yeah. I mean, in theory, if you're arrested, you're going to go to jail. Right. You're going to sit until they set a bond for you. Right. Uh, Maybe a little while, depending on the jurisdiction. Uh, Maybe a cash bond. It may be a release bond. Uh, many times we get a call from a family member. Hey, Fred's in jail and we try to get him out. If you're okay. in the Toledo jurisdiction, we can get a weekend bond. If you're in Sylvania, you're going to sit all weekend. And then you're going to hope that you get a bond and you get seen and all that. And then it's a process from there. Uh, you're in the middle of it. And don't, you know, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just nothing. You're not going to help yourself out. You're not going to talk your way out of it. Especially in this Me Too era, but also in what I would call a victim first era. There was a, a Marcy's Law is a new... Victims' Rights Act, good for that. It's good. I respect that. I, you know, we live in the same society. 
we can be victims too. We want those rights. But the victims have tremendous power now. And most detectives are going to just think, we'll let the world sort it out. If Mrs. Smith says, you stole my purse, you stole the purse. I'm going to arrest you. We'll let the world figure it out. That's how it works. A little bit how it works, yeah. You're innocent until proven guilty, but you're not innocent for purposes of bond. You're presumed guilty for purposes of bond. And what is a bond? A bond is the uh, money they set on your head (laughs) to allow you to get out for two purposes. One, to protect the public and make sure you return to court. That's what bond is for. And that's what bail bondsmen do? Bail bondsmen, yep. Bail bondsmen, yep. Okay. So So somebody gets arrested, they go to jail, have their family members call you or someone like you. Okay. So now that's one aspect of your business. Yes. So now you have the family law group. What is that? Sure. Uh, And what I guess I would say is, see, we have this duality where I am the busiest attorney doing all this work. I have great attorneys who work with me also. but So I'm very busy. But then you have the whole management component. So we really have three major areas. We do a little bit of everything. But this new family law thing, what I realized is a tremendous need in the market for two things. One, there's just a need in general for family law lawyers. But what also, which the product, I, I take some pride in this, I developed myself, called Affordable Family Law Ohio, AFLO, Affordable Family Law Ohio. We developed a, and there's a whole website, Affordable Family Law Ohio. It's a product for hardworking people who can't afford the mega attorney to fight the million dollar divorce. Uh, you know, when I worked as a county prosecutor, I made $25,000 a year. I could not afford a $3,500 retainer for an attorney. Uh, thankfully, I didn't need one at the time. But so I sympathize and I realize there's so many people, they need help. And this family stuff so personal. It's your children, it's child support, it's spousal support, it's visitation, it's moving. It's all these things. And yet they can't get anybody to help me because they don't have 2500 3500 so we developed this essentially program where we have a very reduced retainer, $750 to $1,000, which is more doable. And then we fix the monthly pay no matter what, $525 worst case scenario. So you can budget and you know you got a good attorney. You know, our firm's very good. We do good work for people, have quality, quality folks, and uh, not just average folks. I mean, these are good attorneys with 30 years of experience or more and really experienced in their craft, uh, who will represent you. And we treat everybody the same, which is just like you. We want a five-star review for this podcast, by the way. Yes. Right. Thank you. We right. Want, yeah. So, uh, and so we've, we've created this whole market and I will tell you, we, we, we can't hire enough attorneys to fill the need. It's sad, but it's true. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's been great for us. And of course we do have a nice, very nice personal injury. Uh, did you play Benebra softball? <laughs> Uh, one season, one season, I think. Right. My yeah. buddy Steve Crossmock, yeah, uh, not Jewish, but did play Benebra <laughs> softball. Uh, anyway, he's an all-star, and you know we go at those big personal injury cases. We've handled some, you know, tragic and horrific cases, and uh, sadly, um, but you know we're there for people. So. What's a typical personal injury case? Um, Mrs. Smith's driving down Central Avenue. She comes to the uh, red light, and behind her, Susie Jones is not paying attention and smacks the back of her car. Uh, She's sore, but not critically injured, Uh, feels okay. The police come out an hour later and do a report. The next day she wakes up sore. She goes to the emergency room or, uh, you know, in best case scenario. And then the emergency room sends her to her family doctor who tells her, 
three weeks of physical therapy, you'll be fine. In three weeks, she's fine. She's run up three or $4,000 in medical bills. The case settles for seven to $10,000. She puts a few thousand in her pocket. The doctors get paid. We try to negotiate down those bills. Hopefully, she puts everything on her health insurance, which is good advice to everybody. That's your average case. It's not the catastrophic loss that you see. Right. Those happen, sadly, and we've had everything from, you know, seven-figure uh, death cases to Mrs. Jones, who was hit from behind by Mrs. Smith. Right. So. It seems like when you get hit from behind now and there's any damage to your car, there is an attorney for the other person's insurance company, or maybe it's just the other person's insurance company, that wants you to sign yes. and settle. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Is, is that the right advice? Should you be contacting an attorney? Uh Here's what I would say. Generally bad advice because those are insurance adjusters and their job is to adjust down the amount of money the insurance company has to pay. Right. So if they settle quickly before you get medical treatment or fully checked out, you're done. You sign off. Right. Bad advice. You know, sometimes people will call me and say, look, I, I was in this car accident. I wasn't injured. I didn't even go to the hospital. I feel fine. My bumper was ruined. I want to be, I say the insurance company will take care of that. We don't, you don't need our help. We don't send people home with uh, neck braces and crutches. We don't send them to a Fred, the chiropractor. Fred's a great name, but it could be Stan, the chiropractor. And, uh, you know, for six weeks of chiropractic treatment, you know, right. if you're legitimately injured, we're happy to help you. So, All right. So now I have uh, one of my closing questions for okay. you. And this one, this one, I always am so, I'm not a drinker. Okay. okay. But I feel like this is like the advice that people need to hear. Okay. Don't blow. We'll What's get the to question? that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's your birthday. Yeah. Uh, no, so you're out at the bar. Yeah. Now, my my personal deal with my family is if we're arguing about me or anybody driving, they're not driving. Yes. That's the if you're arguing about it, you don't get to drive. Right. So, and I it's I'm not a big drinker. So but I'll use me as an example. Sure. I'm out. I have two beers. Okay. Oh. I had a full dinner. I, you know, I, I drank them over. Maybe I drank them at B-dubs and maybe they were sure. a little bigger than right. just two cans right. of beer. Right. Um, beer. Right. Right. And so, beer so this sized or is it king sized? Is it a, you know, I mean, right. So I had what I would consider two beers, two beers. and I feel fine. Okay. And my taillight, my my uh, sticker. I mean, I've been pulled over because my sticker was ex sure. expired. Right. Have mm -hmm. you, I, I just heard this recently. The first question a lot of police officers ask you is, where are you coming from? Sure, sure. And take me from that point on. Right. So uh, there's a certain time of night where the officers are fishing. They already know, you know, after 11, from 11 to 3 a.m., Right? People are probably, if they're out on the road, they are probably coming from a bar, especially on weekends, right? Right. So there's a little heightened uh, view of their part. All they need is what's called probable cause to pull you over. Tail light, registration, didn't use your blinker, uh, change lanes without signaling, you know, whatever it might be. So what will happen is that they, when, you, when they approach the vehicle, they're looking for clues to determine if you're an impaired driver. So the first thing they'll normally ask is license and registration. And while they're doing that, they're checking a number of things. They're smelling for alcohol. They're determining your demeanor. How do you look? 
responding. How are you looking through your wallet? How are you looking for the papers? Are you thick-fingered? Are you struggling with that? Because what they're building is the clues to allow them to continue to escalate this stop into a, what they call probable cause to then escalate the stop to a OVI investigation, where now they can ask you out of the car to do the field sobriety tests, nystagmus, all that stuff. So not very entrepreneurial, but certainly very legal. <laughs> right. So, you know, the I answered your question up front and I'll answer it again. So the problem is, the real answer is don't drink and drive. Of course. Uh, if you have more than probably one good-sized drink, even though it seems hard to imagine, you're probably better off not driving. Right. Uh, because the danger is, again, two parts. One, whatever size beers you had, you may think I only had two beers, but if they were... Uh, 32 ounce beers, that's four 16 ounce beers, right? right. That's eight, eight ounce beers. Right. That's a lot of alcohol. It's a lot of beer. And then oftentimes people tell me, oh, man, I just had two drinks. Did you make the drinks yourself? No. Do you know how much liquor was in the drink? Right. No. Is it common for bars to overserve people to make it a festive and exciting atmosphere? Yes, it is. Are they reliable liable for that? No, they're not. You are. You're the adult here. So, you know, I usually just tell people you got to use very good judgment. And you're right, if, if it's, it shouldn't even be a discussion. If you think I've had enough, I'm not going to drive. Has everybody we know, probably every one of our friends, done it? Sure. Is it a judgment call? Certainly. Um, but here's what happens. If you refuse the breathalyzer, you lose your license for a year, and you don't get driving privileges for 30 days uh, on a first offense. It's much worse if you have priors. If you take the breath test and fail it, you also lose your license probably for a year. Right. You give the government all the evidence they need to prove that you're impaired and you don't get your privileges for 15 days. So the only real benefit is you get your driving privileges a little bit early, but you've given the government the evidence that you're an impaired driver. Right. Whereas if you don't take the test, then we have an argument that, hey, my friend Andy had a couple beers at B-dubs. He wasn't an impaired driver. You pulled him over for a non-impaired driving violation. It was a license plate light and uh, look at the video. He's doing great. He's fine, you know. But, but if Andy takes the breath test and he blows a .135, right. he's impaired by law. You know, you'd have to overcome that. So don't blow. So don't, really don't blow. It's mm. tricky. Just wow. be careful. Yeah. Wow. We do a ton of those. We do a lot of OVI work. We you do. do? We do. So, mm. But again, you know, it's interesting because I'd like to bring you back to this whole business thing, which yeah. is, you know, this is the business which we've talked about. But then there's the whole management, which we've, which I started by giving you that gift. You know, we have a whole client success thing where we are trying to retarget our clients. So we have a whole retargeting to our old clients. Uh, we're on YouTube and we do our Facebook, social media. We have two different, uh, we have a giant SEO company that does tons of search engine optimization. I'm not sure. familiar with that term. Yeah. So we have a very established company out of Los Angeles, very happy with the work they do plus a smaller company out of Idaho that does it for our family law. Then we have Facebook advertising through the Idaho group and through our Chris people in Atlanta. So we're doing a lot of uh, work um, in, in online social media. As our friend Jeffrey Mann will tell us, I saw his podcast was excellent. You know, a lot of similarities. Uh, and uh, so you got to have that social media component. Also, I hear his ads on the radio all the time. So somebody's doing That's a nice job. That's the voice right there. Yeah. They're doing a nice job. So, um, so 20 years ago, you and I used to also um, compete in the Yellow Pages. 
yeah. for our for another business. Yeah. And do you are you spending on social media in though in in SEO activity more or less than you did in the phone book? And are you in mm -hmm. a phone book now? Are they yeah. do they make no, phone books? No phone books. No phone okay. Books. So you were you loved the phone book. I was on the back cover for a while. Right. But I came in late. You know, there were some big players who had big phone book ads, then it sort of died down. And I thought to myself, I can get this at a discount. And I don't care if only get 20% of the market, but at 10% of the price, right? it's great. I'll take it. So I did. Now, there's no more phone books. Yeah, we're in, uh, you know, we're six figures uh, on SEO alone. Wow. And uh, we are very engaged with uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, you know, on our list of things to do, develop a podcast. It's all the rage. Right. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we're very engaged in that. But again, that's only half of it. If you, uh, everybody's business is different, but really your existing clients are oh, your raving fans. They're your ambassadors. They're, yeah. They yeah. think you're great. Right. So why would you not treat them right? This year we sent most of our clients a, a blanket that said, we got you covered. You know? Sure. It was just good, good marketing, good right. personal touch. And, uh, well, they're the, know. they're the least cost to acquire a new customer yes. is keeping, yeah. keeping a customer yeah. is yeah. a lot less expensive than acquiring a new one. Yeah. Well, and what is interesting about this and what I think is, um, unique when there was a phone book, you had some place to go. I mean, yeah. you're doing these things sure to advertise, but in reality, uh, how would somebody find you? Like, right. Oh, who? come on, Andy. It's right here. It's all right here. Everybody agreed goes right to their phone. They're going to look. And if you weren't there, you if you weren't right. there, they couldn't find you. Oh, in the, yeah. In the good old days. Right. No, if no. I'm saying now, book. if oh, now. you are right. not yeah, doing you, SEO right. and you are right. not in those places, absolutely, you won't be found. It's, yes. there is no other way to get to you. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I realize that it's advertising, but you know, uh, and I, I'm, you know this a lot better than I do because of your clients. A lot of times when you're in a bad situation, you become, you forget how to manage your life. You become sure. dumb. So the way that you're trying to reach out to people is helpful because when they are in a bad spot, at least they have a way to, they can yeah. figure out a way to get in touch. We, uh, we answer our phones 24 seven, 365. Uh, I do a ton of work on the weekends. I did a lot of work this weekend. You know, I'm still very busy in my own practice, which right. is okay. I'm working to not be that guy. But you're absolutely right. They call. It's it's Monday holiday day. They're friends in jail. They need help. And somebody is there to answer their questions. And we're very low key. Uh, even though a lot of people and, you know, for business advice, always be closing, you know. Right. I'm not sure I totally ascribe to that method. I think my role is to give people honest advice and explain the scenario. If I'm the right person for them, great. You know, I don't want to hard sell anybody. I always say, I'm not going to scare you into hiring me and I'm not going to fluff it. So you hire me. Oh, don't worry about it. Killing people's hardly a crime. <laughs> you know, hire me. Great. No problem. Or, uh, you know, your son's going to go to prison for the rest of his life. You better bring me a huge amount of money right. or he's going to die in prison. I mean, that's, that's horrible treatment of human beings. You can't be that way. But, you know, you got to give them, you know, you're that person and you're available to them. And of course, by building that rapport with the family and your client, that's how you get their trust. And then you can resolve cases where everybody's comfortable and they feel like you've done everything you can for them. Right. So, wow. Including going to the jail on Christmas Eve. Mm. Right. That's horrible. So, so, all right. So the podcast, what is next? 
What is on the horizon? Uh, uh, you know, actually, we're very focused on doing exactly what we're doing. Uh, I've hired now uh, three attorneys in the family law arena. We have another guy who's long COVID holler, long holler COVID guy coming back. Uh, I'm going to just keep hiring more attorneys. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate. We've, uh, uh, we just have a good team of people. We, uh, and we have invested in our team also. So we do these coaching retreats. Uh, you know, we're regularly doing a team engagement every month. Uh, we're trying to be, uh, I saw on your front door, Kripke Enterprise is like best business to work at, right? Right. That's our motto. That's our goal. Workplace, I want to be best, best workplace, workplace of 2024. Exactly. Right. That's what I want for my team. I sure. want, when we gave everybody that time off and when we do all these things by lunch and all the good things that we do, uh, it's because I want everybody who works with me to know that, you know, we're the best and it's a great place and we're getting there, you know. Culture is critical. Culture is Especially for great young books, too, you know, right? I mean, uh, uh, this is a great podcast for entrepreneurs and anybody in business, because again, if you listen to Jeff Mann, uh, Brian Elias, yeah. is that his name? Yeah. Who's, was he the Hanson guy? Yeah. Who was, there was another guy, the real estate kid, uh, Ruben. Yeah. Matt he, Ruben. Matt Ruben. I mean, all these guys, every one of them has a takeaway, right? The woman on the cupcake, Ms. Jacobs, yes. right? Uh, all these people have great takeaways, you know, and of course my buddy, Jeff Mann, yeah. Where I have spent a few dollars. Sure. But you know why? Because Jeff's great. He's yeah. local. He takes care of you. You feel like you're buying from a friend. You know, those and are his sets. parents. His yeah, parents, story, right? uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, mortgaged their house yeah, everything to open to up his put store. Him in business. That's yeah. right. Exactly. It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. He, he honors their memory every day. You right. can tell. I, it's a good thing. Stevko, this has been awesome, yeah, buddy. Thank thanks, you. Man. I, hope I we really appreciate some good it. Stuff. We, I pleasure. think we sure did. I good. really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks buddy. Thanks, man. My pleasure. You got it.